Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning, everybody, on a beautiful Colorado day. It's going to be gorgeous. Hope you're all going to be outside today having some fun. And whether you're fishing, hunting, camping, hiking, or just sitting on your patio with your uh, your favorite beverage and some food, it's going to be a great day to be outside. We're going to cover a lot today. Weather's going to start changing tomorrow, which will change how we approach fishing, hunting, and camping around the area and the things are changing the seasons are going to start to change too so we'll get into that a little bit we're going to cover some hunting big game hunting tips with nate falinski on the second hour also in the second hour chad lachance will join us from minnesota and we'll do some contrast and compare you know i fish up there a lot about what it's like to fish up there in natural lakes compared to fishing in the reservoirs out west we're going to talk a little bit about that Uh, We're also going to have a couple of people on with us from the hatcheries, the warm water hatcheries, and how they come up with the panfish, the bass, those kind of things that stock our ponds. And we're going to talk a lot about that pond fishing on today's show at different times. And then at the end of the show, we're going to have the people from the Colorado Wildlife Federation talk about becoming an outdoor woman. They have an event coming up. We've got a lot to cover. Let's go to the phones. Joining us, Brad Peterson. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Terry. It's a beautiful day. Are you on the water? I am. I'm out on Boyd right now as we speak. How is it doing out there? You know, it's it's been a pretty decent morning. Real mixed bag of fish. We've got uh, caught some walleye, a lot of pretty nice-sized bluegills, some perch, uh, white bass. It, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a good day. You know, and we're going to talk during the course of day's, today's show about some of that different fishing. But why don't, since you started with Boyd, let's go through the major northern lakes, the northeast lakes up here, and tell us what's going on. So Boyd still has that uh, white bass bite going that we've been talking about for the last, you know, two months or so. But it's moved a lot more. The topwater activities move more towards the evenings versus the mornings. Um so that could change a lot with the weather coming in. But as the fall goes on, I usually find that afternoon bite being better than the morning bite. Um, walleyes, we're still catching them pulling bottom bouncers in that 13 to 25 foot range. Um, there's a few guys catching them trolling crankbaits. The fall jig and wrap bite is still. I'm guessing it may start up once uh, we get the cold weather this next week to drop the water temperatures a little into the 60s. We're still at 73 right now. And there are some smallmouth starting to show up uh, fishing the shallower rocks. And so that's that's a fun option for people. If you go up further north to uh, Horse Tooth, the walleyes are still out there suspended on the smelt. Uh, Night fishing with the long stick baits, trolling, and planer boards is your best way to catch those. Smallmouth have moved out to the main lake, that 15 to 25-foot range. Target the structure, the the points, the humps, uh, the transitions between the bigger rock and the smoother bottom really seem to be holding a lot of those. Uh, Union, the wipers have kind of started to turn back on again. 
they're up shallow along with the crappies. And, uh, Carter, you're still getting a few trout out deeper uh, using either lead core or um, down riggers. And the I-76 corridor, I tell you what, I would kind of avoid it. I fished with a buddy from out there on Wednesday, and he said it is just fishing really tough. Lakes are, have lost quite a bit of water during the last part of the irrigation, and some of the lakes will start to be closing for waterfowl hunting coming up. So I would kind of focus your, your effort along the North Front Range area. Before we move on, you mentioned the waterfall coming up. Right now, we do have one waterfall season, and that's teal. Just We'll get back to fishing in a minute, but people have about a week left to hunt teal. What are you seeing out there? Right now, the uh, teal, the numbers are doing really good. Uh, We've had probably our best uh, situations for an opening day that we've seen in almost a decade of teal hunting. We've got a lot of shallow water around with all the rain that we've had so that's providing opportunities especially on public areas up in like the grasslands um, ponds at the various reservoirs the reservoirs even though they're dropping they still have a lot more water than we normally have so uh, Pruitt Jackson both those areas have good opportunities for teal hunters so if you want to get out and you like chasing teal um this is the year to get out there, and this weather front is going to push some more birds in and keep them moving. So I think the whole week is going to provide good opportunities for the people who want to get out there teal hunting. With the weather we've got coming in, this might be a good week to get out, like on a Tuesday or Wednesday, if you can find a place to hunt. It's, uh, uh, it's going to still be a little rainy on on those days, I think. And you're right, the birds are pushing down, get warmed up, and get get yourself itching for what's going on. Um, what about Glendo? Let's get back to fishing. Have you heard much on Glendo? You know, Glendo, the lake dropped. We talked about it about a month ago. They dropped it and flushed down the river to fill up uh, Guernsey. The lake has, it's still dropping, but they've leveled off. It's not dropping nearly as quick. And so that is a good opportunity to go up there. The spooning bite is starting a bit, and the crappies should be going in their fall patterns along kind of the steep rock walls. So I definitely will be looking at going to Glendo. I've got a buddy that's up there this weekend, and I should have a lot more information uh, soon. But uh, that's a spot that I may be running up to in the next week. Yeah, Glendo can be extremely good in the fall, especially at spooning bite. Now, do you still use spoons up there, or do you use jigging wraps and blade baits? You know, I haven't done a lot of blade bait fishing. That's that's not my strength. I stick kind of to the spoons and the jigging wraps. Uh, and I make sure to have both because I've been up there on days where the spoons are going to produce, you know, 80% of your bites and other days where jigging wraps are going to do the same. So I usually have both tied on. And anytime I go to a spot, I mark some fish. I'm going to fish both to see which, which is getting the reaction from the fish. And... Um, once you're done, once that kind of slows down, before I leave, I always grab the other presentation, make a few casts out, and you're going to catch a few extra fish doing that. You know, I, I have kind of a theory. It may be not a good one, but uh, we used to. everybody used to spoon for these fish once the bait fish balled up and the water temperatures started dropping. And lakes from Glendo to Pueblo, everything in between, McConaughey. 
And I think the fish saw a lot of spoons. And then about a decade or so ago, the jigging wraps and blade baits made a comeback, and they really became popular, especially the jigging wrap-type baits, the glide baits. And I think a lot of fish saw those baits and was new to them. But I think right now, because the jigging wraps have been so popular and the spoons really have taken a back seat, uh, I think the fish are going to be really receptive to those spoons again. I look for a resurgence. Yeah, you know, you always get that with a new presentation that comes out. Um, there's a period of time when the fish haven't seen it. It was like the when they first came out with the wacky worm, uh, stick worm, you know, for bass fishing. Man, there were five years there that everyone was fishing it. You couldn't do anything wrong. And then the fish got educated. And then what it becomes is it's not the hot lure, but it's another tool in the tackle box to use. When the presentation or situation's right, that's going to be the best presentation. But it's it's not the just the the end-all, be-all like when they first start seeing it. You know, I want to switch gears on you and talk a little bit about pond fishing. First of all, as this weather cools, we should see them starting to stock both the front range lakes and ponds with trout again, wouldn't you think? Yeah, typically that starts up again mid to late September, and then they'll keep stocking trout until uh, kind of that mid-November time. So it's a good time to keep an eye on those stocking reports. Because uh, those fish, when they hit the water, are going to be really receptive to biting and uh, provides a good opportunity along with the, the warm water fish that are always present in the ponds. Yeah, and I want to kind of touch on the warm water fish. Next couple segments today are going to talk about how we supply those warm water fish and where we put them and what it takes to have a warm water fishery. And that's something that's really close to your heart, especially the pond fishing for warm water, isn't it? Oh, it is. I think more people get started pond fishing, and particularly around here for warm water fish, the opportunities are more plentiful. Someone who's fishing from shore can be very successful fishing ponds uh, for largemouth, smallmouth, or largemouth, uh, panfish, and then catfish. You know, oftentimes catfish are really overlooked in these ponds, and they can be really good. Yeah, we're going to talk about all that. And the bluegill and the crappie are the two main panfish. What uh, Do you use any special tactics when you go after them in the ponds? You know, I think the thing that I do different than most people is I keep my stuff, my presentations really small. I use a lot of my ice fishing jigs that are in the, you know, 1 16th is a real big jig for me, down to maybe 1 80th of an ounce. Uh, use it behind, below some sort of a float, and you're able to present those little baits, and you're going to get more bites. You might catch uh, the size you're going to catch is a wide variety, but um, it. the reason I go to ponds is for fast action. So if I can catch some big fish, great, but I just want to get a lot of bites. So downsizing your presentation is going to get you a lot more bites. Yeah, sometimes I'll use an unweighted hook under a little pencil float and just put a piece of gulp or a piece of a nightcrawler on a small hook. And if you've ever stood on a dock and thrown a piece of breadcrumb or something into the water in a lake that has a lot of panfish, you'll watch them immediately come up and eat that. And as that little thing is falling, a lot of times, whether it's that light jig or the unweighted hook under a bobber, when you just 
pull the bobber two or three feet, it brings that bait back up and it goes through that whole fall again. That's a great way for kids because they can make a couple cranks, let it sit for a few minutes, make a couple cranks, and it's deadly on them. Yeah, and that's basically the same type presentation I'm using with the little jigs. I'm not one to just cast out and sit there and watch a float. I want it to be moving it, whether it's twitching it a little bit or doing the, the tug-pause action, just to kind of cover air, you know, different areas and, and do a little bit of movement to trigger a few more bites. Now, another fish that they dock pretty uh, regularly in the lakes in Colorado and the ponds are crappies. What, uh, how do you approach crappies both in lakes and ponds? Crappies, you know, there's, there's two schools of thought with crappies. There's a lot of guys who love using minnows. And if you're using a live minnow below like a slip float or a, a pencil bobber, um, that is one time that I don't move it a whole lot because the, the live minnow is giving it its own action. But I prefer using little tube jigs, maybe in more of that 1 16th to 1 32nd ounce and kind of swimming it through the middle. You get a lot of those crappies that will suspend in the summer, you know, maybe four to eight feet down over the middle of the pond and fish that. And then as the evening comes up, they move a little bit shallower. So you either don't count down your lure quite as much, or you can use a presentation like you were talking about an unweighted hook with some gulp and you're going to catch a lot of fish. Now, as the fall moves in, those crappies are going to move closer to shore. A lot of times they go out and suspend more towards the middle. They're going to move closer to shore. So look for those areas with weeds or trees and they're going to provide a really good opportunity for people to go out and catch some nice fish between uh, now and freeze up. I couldn't agree more. The panfish and the weeds will die down with the sun at a lower apex. And and the lakes and ponds are going to start fishing from shore. And we're going to talk in the next segment about how they get those fish in those ponds and warm water lakes. Brad, if we're out of time. If people want to get a hold of you, how do they do it? You can find me on Facebook at Brad Peterson Outdoors, or you can get my newsletter at nocofishingnews.substack.com. If you want to get a hold of me uh, with a phone call or a text, it's 303-829-3998. All right, my friend, we'll talk to you again soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Terry. You bet. Brad Peterson. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we're going to talk to uh, the hatchery people over the next couple segments about what it takes to get warm water species in our lakes and, uh, you know, the process and wh where they end up. All that and more coming up on Terry Wicksham Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.